People ask me all the time. Where do you like to eat? What's your favorite food? What's the best thing you've ever eaten? That's why we're here now. Not only to tell you what we love to eat, but where you can go get it. This show is about foods that are absolutely irresistible. This is naughty, naughty time. This is not an irresistible dish. This is complete ownership. Juicy, salty, filled with flavor. I just can't resist. These are ridiculous. Simply irresistible. When I think about that, I think sweet. And when I'm thinking sweet, I'm thinking sticky buns. I mean, there are sticky buns, and then there are sticky buns. And a woman named Joanne Chang is in a place in Boston, Massachusetts called Flour. Makes the most unbelievable sticky buns you've ever had. I have to tread very lightly when I walk into Boston because people know that I like the Yankees very much. However, I have to say that Boston, right this second, is beating New York in the sticky bun rivalry for sure. And it's all because of Joanne Chang. It's the perfect sticky bun. A study in delicious sweetness. I'm gonna teach you how to make sticky buns. We start off by using a brioche dough. It is a French dough that contains a ton of eggs and butter, which makes the sticky buns really, really rich. The thinner the dough is, the more surface I have to sprinkle on more sugar and on goodness. So that's the foundation of the sticky bun. And then, of course, there's the topping, which she calls the goo. This is our famous goo. That delicious honey, brown sugar, pecan, heavy cream caramel that makes it all taste great. They're going to sit overnight in this goo. At that point, we put them directly in the oven, and they bake for about 30 to 35 minutes. Then we depan them. It started this way, and then when they take it out of the pan, it flips, and you get that. Now we take all of this goo and spoon it over each bun. I mean, it's just absolute heaven. The perfect sticky bun. You know what that's saying? Eat me. <laughs> so I like to unravel them a little bit. Here you get the cinnamon and you get caramel soda dripping down there, but you can still see the brioche. It's sort of like a trail of deliciousness. These are ridiculous. I mean, it's just a fantastic combination of flavor and texture and just the right amount of sweetness. And also there's a little bit of crunch on the pecans. You just want to keep eating more and more and more. You know, before you know it, it's all over but the crime. No more sticky bun. I'm not saying I'm going to put a Boston Red Sox hat on to go get a sticky bun, but I might think about it. Food does not have to be complicated to be great and to make it to my best thing I ever ate list. I love simple things. I mean, done just right and boom, it's ready to go. I love that. So when I think of something totally irresistible, I think about sweet potato fries. And they just make my mouth water thinking about it. So I'm talking about the spicy sweet potato fries at Bino's Cabin in Beaver Creek, Colorado. They are fantastic. They're just absolutely crunchy, delicious. They're perfection. One thing that's cool about Bino's Cabin is you can only get there by sleds, skiing, or horseback. You really have to work to get to this good food. Bino's has a lot of great stuff, but I'm definitely focused on the sweet potato fries. They are fantastic. I bake them at home, but I'm telling you, I can't bake them near as good as the ones at Bino's Cabin. They have it down pat. So we have these beautiful sweet potatoes. We want to make sure that they're really nice and round and really beautiful size. You slice it in wedges. You want to cut these into about an inch width. Squirt these with some olive oil. And we're going to sprinkle them with salt and pepper. So we use this real fresh black pepper, and it actually gives it a really, really nice spice to it. They're uh, baked for about 15 minutes. And once they're cooked, they're going to be nice and tender. And then they drop them in the fryers. It makes them super crunchy. Golden brown and delicious. So it's still moist on the inside. Just bring them on. I like to kind of like make a mountain out of them because we're here on the mountain here in Beaver Creek. It's just a big mound of, of goodness. 
When they land on the table, you can just smell the caramelized sweet potato, some salt, some ketchup. There's no holding back. They're spicy and sweet and salty and crunchy and all those things that I love. And you know, you can't just eat one. You, you can't stop. You're just eating and eating and eating. They're really, really good. Wouldn't lie to you. Any food that is good or great can be elevated by putting it into sandwich form. Everything is better as a sandwich. Is there anything more irresistible than the grilled cheese sandwich? Eric Greenspan's grilled cheese sandwich at the Foundry is simply the best grilled cheese I ever ate. This is like a dirty chef fantasy grilled cheese. This is a bad boy grilled cheese. This is naughty, naughty time. The grilled cheese is, for many of us, the first sandwich we ever have. So it's great to see something like a grilled cheese done by a real chef. A good grilled cheese sandwich will result in two things running down your chin. Molten cheese and warm, greasy butter. That's what makes it so irresistible. The grilled cheese sandwich at the Foundry is made up of butter, raisin bread, great oozy Taleggio cheese. It starts off kind of like brie-like. And it's great apricot caper jam, which is its own little sweet, salty, delicious condiment. Next is wild arugula. And finally, tomato confit, which is oven-dried tomatoes. And then I opt to get the beef short ribs. We like to take it over the edge. We take short ribs and we cook them for a really long time till it gets like a sticky, icky glaze. This is the next level of grilled cheese. It's about sticky and gooey all the way through. And you can smell it coming, but it's hard to describe. It's so irresistible. I, I can't even wait. I gotta go have one right now. How could you do an interview when you got this thing staring at you in the face? This is the best grilled cheese you've ever had in your life. It's oozy and gooey, and it makes you happy. Mmm, oh God. And it's salty, and it's creamy, and it's crispy. It's a symphony of flavors. This thing is spectacular. Mmm, oh. that is good. There's foods that you like, there's foods that you love, but this show is about foods that are absolutely irresistible. The kinds of foods that make you insane. I'm about to embark on a descriptive journey that's gonna blow your head up. <laughs> Forget everything you know about food and cooking. Morimoto's Toro Tartar rings my bell, blows my whistle, floats my boat. I think about it, I dream about it, it just makes me want to be a better chef. Chef Morimoto is a crazy, insane, genius robot from the future. Ready to fight. He goes in his time machine every night, learns more things, and then brings them back to us. And says, here's some more stuff that you guys have no idea about. I want surprising the people. Ooh. You know, whoa. The way that Morimoto thinks is just on a whole nother level. Ideas from here, here, from here, from here. It's raw fish. He didn't even cook it. And he still made you look stupid with it. Poro is the best part of the tuna. This is the fatty pink. This is the red meat. Fast and red mixed together. Chop, chop, chop. They chopped the toro. Who does that? <laughs> you don't chop the toro. It's like this very rare piece of fish. He serves it in these special wooden trays that he had specially made just for his own dish. Then he does these different kinds of sauces and he puts them in lines. Wasabi, sour cream, nori paste, tap chive, guacamole, and the rice cracker. This is a mountain peach. This is dashi soy, uh, plum, domestic caviar. There you go. <laughs> Look at this place. I think it's cool. 
My bakery's not this cool. Do we really need to eat this good? Yes, we do. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me with this? His sauces are great. They're gorgeous. Look at that. Every ingredient is incredible on this dish. The tuna is always absolutely fantastic. You so wish you were here right now. I can't describe how amazing it is. It has so much flavor. To save that last bite, with all that caviar on there. Get that camera out of my face. Eat my tuna. You want to talk irresistible? This is irresistible. This is a sausage of epic proportions. Everybody has their list of must-go in New Orleans. To me, you have to get Boudin, and you have to go to Cochon Butcher to get it, because there is the best Boudin in New Orleans. Hot Boudin! Hands down. This is New Orleans classic. You'll see Boudin more than you'll see donuts, not in Cajun country. The difference between Boudin and a classic sausage is the meat is cooked prior to it being put in the casing. This is a sausage that has been pre-cooked, then ground, then put into the casing. Donald Link makes it unbelievably well. These are the main principal ingredients. We have onions, jalapenos, garlic, bay leaves, celery, and a, a poblano. A little bit of Cajun spice mix, and it's salt, black pepper, white pepper, cayenne, and paprika. And now we're gonna put in the meat. So it's pork, shoulder, chicken, or duck liver. And then from here, we just toss it into the pot. And then it's cooked down for about an hour and a half until the meat gets very tender. And then you grind it. By hand. Then you mix it with rice. And then boom, into the casing. And from there, it's ready to go. And then it's heated again. Now to serve it, we're gonna cut this in like maybe three or four pieces. Little mustard, some pickles, that's it. When Donald gave me the first piece, he showed me how to eat it, because I'd never had boudin before. He squeezed it out, the meat came right out, and he just pop it right in, just, and it was just super flavorful. The texture was unbelievable. The rice just melts away. But you don't want to eat the casing. Because of the way the technique in which the, the boudin is cooked, the casing itself doesn't break down. You want to squeeze the filling out of the casing. You must have this over and over. It is perfect. When you don't know how something's made and it has that little what's in this factor, that's what makes it irresistible. When I want to get a chicken done really the way I imagine it in my head, you know you have that gold standard, birds chirping, perfectly blue sky, I've got to go to Craig on Main in Cambridge, Massachusetts to get it. If you looked in the dictionary under roasted chicken and there were a little picture of a chicken, it would be this one. The roast chicken is just always appropriate. It's the new black for fall, it's the new pink for spring. It's part of that little list of things we just can't pass up. The way that they cook a simple roast chicken at Craig Yon, Maine is insane. This bird gets a full day at the spa. They take it and they brine the bird. Nothing very complicated, just a three-hour brine. And now we're going to put it in our sous vide bag with a little bit of roasted chicken fat. More flavor on top of more flavor. And they take it out. So now we're going to put this chicken in our combi oven in the browning mode. We're in brown mode right now, guys, and that's when the magic happens. The marinade, the thyme, all the ingredients in the brine, everything just comes together. Look at that, beautifully brown. And this chicken just kind of swells up with this wonderful juiciness inside. They pull it out and present it to you. The whole roasted chicken? And you say, great, thank you. Oh, no. And they whisk it away, and they cut it all up. I start out very elegantly eating this chicken because you are in a restaurant, so you think, okay, I'm going to behave. 
So I always cut a piece of the breast and I taste that. But the thigh meat is on the bone. Then you gotta really get into it. You know, I'm talking roll up the sleeves and just put down that fork, that knife, station your napkin somewhere nearby and pick up that thigh meat and bite into that. Savage style. Juicy, salty, filled with flavor, brown, homey. It's a whole experience. I just can't resist. You're looking at one of the most insanely privileged eaters in the world. For five and a half years, I was the restaurant critic for the New York Times, which means going out to eat virtually every night. So if I remember a dish and actually go back to have it again and again, I mean, that means it's pretty damn irresistible. And the Red Wattle Chop at Vinegar Hill House in Brooklyn, New York, is the definition of irresistible. It's as good pork as you're going to get. The Red Wattle Chop appeals to the caveman carnivore in you. It's just got everything. I don't order it and eat it and think, eh, I could have made it at home. You know what? I can't make it at home. You can't make it at home. You have to go to Vinegar Hill House to get it. First step in making our pork chop is we have to make a brine. That includes salt, sugar. Thyme, fresh bay leaf. Interestingly, juniper berries. And then you add your pork chops. This is a, an incredible piece of meat from a heritage breed pig, the red wattle breed. And you marinate them for two days. Then they put it in this wood-fired oven in a cast iron pan. We like to use cast iron skillets in the oven because we think that it promotes an even cooking surface. So they're preparing the meat in such a way that it's going to be succulent when it comes out of that oven. So now we're ready to slice. They slice it for you in ribbons of meat of such a perfect thickness. And then we finish it with a little bit of pork chew. Ah, look at that. They give it to you with this extremely serious knife, which, like the cutting board, is another appetite wedding signal that you are in for some intense carnivorous pleasure. The texture's remarkable. Look at how crispy that is. It's that gluttonous symphony of flesh and fat. It's gone after about four minutes. That's how it's done, my friends. That's the denouement of the red wattle chop. It, it's an incredible dish. This is not an irresistible dish. This is complete ownership. It's got you. Right there, tractor beam, suck you in. When it comes to seafood chipino, they have to tear it out of my hands. It's your favorite rock band in a tomato sauce. At this funky little joint called Duarts in Pescadero, California, watch out, that chipino will get you. I think that all the pioneers that were coming from the east, over the mountains, through the deserts, were all on this quest for something they didn't even know about called seafood chipino. When you do chipino right, when you bring all the key components together, a man would do, a man would do anything for it. It all begins with crab. I would say 85% uh, of the dish is crab. I mean, it's Dungeness on top of Dungeness on top of Dungeness. Crab, that is. Dungeness crab is the crab. It is the gem of the Pacific Ocean. We cook it 15 to 20 minutes, and then we begin the cleaning and the, and the cracking process. We take the cracked crab, put it in the pot, add the clams, a piece of fish, a little bit of white wine, a little bit of clam broth, and the chipino sauce. You can't call chipino a stew. If you call it a stew, you deserve a beatdown. Can't call it a soup. You can just call chipino chipino. It's a light tomato sauce. Then we add Italian seasoning, dried basil, oregano, fresh garlic, crushed red chilies. The secret ingredient that makes it slightly unique is the dried cumin. It's a marriage of flavors. And we simmer it. When the clams are open, it's done. And there it is, the world famous Duarte's Tavern Crab Chipino. 
I would recommend bringing a parka, a steam cleaner, and a pressure washer, because you will have it everywhere. There's a bit of splashing that goes on, because you're cracking crab, you're digging in there. I'd add the whole loaf of bread, about a pound and a half of Dungeness crab, and the seafood that went with it. Right after that, coma. It was like this. It was like, ugh. When it can KO the Triple D guy, oh, you know. This is a winner. This is a winner, winner Dungeness crab dinner. Just go over and pay homage. Go over and respect the bowl. It's that good.